Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. We've heard our gospel reading this morning. I want to back up and remind us of our epistle reading. Our epistle comes from uh, the first letter of St. Peter. Dearly beloved, this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endureth grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and then suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even unto here you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you would follow his steps, who did not sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bare our sins, in his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. That is from First Peter two nineteen through 25. I wanted to read that fuller uh, text because Peter is admonishing those to whom he's writing, saying, when you suffer at the hands of people for being righteous, this is something that is uh, pleasing to God. Not your suffering, but the fact that you bear it patiently even though you've done no wrong. Why is this pleasing? It's because uh, it makes clear and evident that we're following after the example of Jesus, who himself was persecuted having done no wrong. And then he says... When you follow after Jesus like this, he introduces the concept of Jesus as the good shepherd. It means that you are uh, living after him who saved you, bore your sins, essentially put your broken flesh up on his shoulders like the good shepherd. Because you were sheep who had gone astray, but now you're returned unto the shepherd and bishop or overseer of your souls. These two themes, the themes of um, bearing persecution, having not done anything wrong with joy and following after the good shepherd, I think are an interesting pairing of themes in this little passage from St. Peter. At first, it seems like the one doesn't have much to do with the other, like this analogy of the good shepherd comes out of nowhere at the end of uh, a point he's making about suffering righteously and patiently. But then our gospel for the day is the passage that St. Peter references, the Good Shepherd. So clearly those putting our electionary together in the West knew that uh, these were related and worth uh, exploring together. Traditionally, this has been known as Good Shepherd Sunday. Um, This is always the second Sunday after Easter Day in our Western lectionary. Now, in exploring sort of the themes of both righteous suffering at the hands of unrighteous and the good shepherd, uh, I remembered something that I wanted to show you, so I brought some visual aids. The first is the very famous image of the good shepherd that comes from the um, catacombs of Priscilla, Priscilla 
in Rome. These catacombs were dug out probably in the 1st or 2nd century, and this artwork probably dates from the 3rd uh, century, uh, which is the 200s. Now this is an image that is in um, a portion of the catacombs, kind of, it's known as the Greek chapel by uh, archaeologists, um, although it was neither a chapel nor was it uh, for the Greeks, it just had some Greek writing in it. But this is um, a place where probably Priscilla or a wealthy woman was buried. There's an image of her in that catacomb, uh, of her uh, getting married, um, giving birth to and nursing a new child, and then uh, a larger image of the same woman in the Oran's position with her arms and head uplifted, praying, probably indicating her in the resurrection and uh, a triumph in paradise. And the direction she's looking in that Oran's position is to a center picture in the middle of this sort of vaulted roof area in the chapel. And in this vault in the center is this image. This is the image of a shepherd with two goats on either side and a goat up on his shoulders. And uh, you'll notice that it's a young looking shepherd. There's no beard. Um, and this is clearly after the, his stance and you know the holding of the robe and all this. This is a very Roman, classical Roman style of painting. So this image is painted after sort of the standards of the day of classical images depicting you know gods and other you know pagan entities, deities or whatever. It's just the way the Romans painted. But because of the context of this, because this young man is holding the sheep and he's, he's clearly herding these goats. And we know that this is a Christian chapel. This is obviously an image of Jesus. So it's a very early sort of tenuous beginning in the iconographic traditions of the early church. These are some of the earliest paintings we have of Christians uh, depicting any religious themes. So here we have in the center, the theme of the good shepherd. Can't miss it. But then, in that same chapel, kind of off to the side on another wall, there are other Old Testament and New Testament and religious images and depictions, one of which is this, which is the three youths, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the fiery furnace. Now, clearly, you know, you've got a dark cave and you're painting things by oil light, and if you're going to go to the trouble of painting a, a picture or depicting something, it's going to mean something to you. And this would have meant something to the early Christians in Rome who suffered persecution unfairly, though they had done nothing wrong. And this image of the three youths being thrown into the fire and bearing it patiently with faith in God would have been, you know, uh, pretty meaningful to them. And I just think it's interesting that you've got a depiction of those bearing unfair suffering with faith in God and a depiction of the good shepherd in the same catacomb, just feet from each other, when those two themes are exactly what St. Uh, Peter, in his letter, is talking to us about. So why is it that those two things are linked? What, what is it about suffering and the good shepherd? Well, in the parable of the good shepherd itself, we hear about wolves coming in and scattering sheep, and those who uh, those hirelings who are there and supposed to be helping to lead the sheep but are uh, irresponsible, probably in the 
specific context that Jesus was talking about, that is to the Pharisees, he's uh, referring to them as those uh, hirelings who scatter when the wolf comes, who are bad shepherds, in fact, who aren't the good shepherds. St. Augustine says the same thing of uh, pastors and priests and bishops who, um, when they see wrongdoing and sin among their flock and don't call it out, they actually run away and flee in their minds and in their spirits from their true duty, and that makes them bad hirelings, whereas the good shepherd Christ himself uh, calls out and dispels the, the wolves from the sheep. That is, he convicts his flock of the sins that would drive them away from their salvation. So the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This image of persecution, of suffering for the sake of others is, I think, the key to why it's important for us to follow Christ's example when unfair persecution comes our way. It's not for the sake of us. It isn't just so that we are purged of anything. That's, that might be true enough. But I think the real issue is that when we suffer for the sake of others, well, when we suffer unfairly for our faith, what we do is to save others. We inspire others by our faith and our patience and our imitation of Christ. And just like he saved us through his suffering, we can help save our neighbors our friends and family through our own suffering if we bear it like Christ. I think this is the key to linking those two uh, aspects in St. Peter's letter today. We don't just suffer needlessly, but like the three youths, if we bear it patiently, if we have faith in God, then he will come to our aid and he will also inspire and change the hearts of those around him, just like the king's heart was changed when he saw the faith and the miracle produced from the three youths in the fiery furnace. And so I think on this Good Shepherd Sunday, we rightly give glory and praise to our Good Shepherd. But like St. Peter was reminding us, we not only look to him and thank him for what he's done, but then we must imitate him in what we do. We have to be ready if at any point we are persecuted, and persecution is a broad term, that can include all kinds of things. It has many degrees, obviously. We don't know what real persecution is like, uh, like the Christians in the Middle East do. But we're beginning to experience little tastes here and there. Um, there are laws being introduced that seem to intentionally target and, and pick off um, religious and, and church organizations and groups in California. That There are laws that, that are constantly being introduced that people are having to fight against. There are free speech you know, um, violation laws uh, that, that seem to be targeting Christians. And so I think this is the beginning of a trend that will continue. I might be wrong, but if it is the case, then we would do well not only to read words like this coming from St. Peter in a uh, sort of impressive, wow, you know, look at all those Christians of the past. Look at the three youths in the fiery furnace. Look at the Christians of the Middle East. That's amazing. I can't imagine doing that. Maybe it's time to start imagining it. Maybe it's time not only to look at examples like that at a distance with awe and appreciation, but to start to internalize them a little bit and to 
prepare our own hearts for the beginnings of that being applied to us. Um, Whether or not an increase in targeted Christian persecution happens in this country, I think that's important for us to do anyway, to always be prepared and to um, not assume St. Peter's audience was someone other than us, but to assume that we are the audience he's speaking to. We need to be prepared and to be ready to, with faith and patience, um, accept persecution after the example of the good shepherd who is willing to give himself to the wolves that his sheep might live. Of course, the great shepherd uh, is the shepherd who overcomes the wolves, who, through his sacrifice, drawing the wolves to himself and being injured by them, nevertheless defeats them and not just giving the sheep a chance to escape, but then bringing them back together around himself so that he can lead them into safety and into fertile pastures. The end of the gospel passage today uh, from Jesus says that he has the sheep that's around him right now, but there are other sheep, not of this current fold, that he has to bring in. He was speaking to the, uh, the Jews of his own day about the Gentiles who would come in, about us, about the rest of the world who he brings into his flock. So Peter's letter is to us, sheep who were scattered, who had gone astray, but have been brought back into the fold by the one good shepherd. So as we consider these things this week and throughout the next coming months and years, I hope that they sink in to our hearts so that we will be prepared and ready for any persecution that does come to us so that we are guiltless and found innocent despite whatever we have to endure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.